This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Brave, a next generation free web browser that focuses on ensuring your privacy and security. Take back control of your online activity and switch browsers to Brave today at brave.com/fool. That's brave.com/fool. It's Tuesday, December 3rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio. The one and only Bill Mann. Thanks for being here. How are you, Chris? I'm. I've got coffee, so I'm good. Uh, it smells delicious. <laughs> you see, you should have gotten some. <laughs> I've heard a lot about coffee. I'm going to give it a shot at some point. Uh, we're going to dip into the full mailbag. We're going to pay tribute to a retail visionary, but we're going to start with what I think is the surprise of the day, and that is Land's End up 12% after third quarter profits came in higher than expected. Yeah. Revenue was a little light. Same store sales for Lens End came in north of eight percent. That is strong growth. Yeah, some of that has to do with the fact that there were eighty-nine Lens End stores that closed, right? So, and those generally, in fact, I think in every case, uh, someone will certainly correct me if I take one side of this issue or the other. In every case, it was because of uh, Sears closing, and Lands End was you know was an integral part of you know of of the Sears experience, such as it was. Um, so certainly, certainly that you know that that uh, that helped the tick up. But you have to say, looking looking at the revenue numbers, it doesn't look like an up double digits result. It really doesn't, and I know that at least part of that is Lands End raising guidance for sure. Uh, um, you know, we're going into the holiday quarter. Maybe there's optimism there. I don't know. This is this is one of those businesses that is a little puzzling to me, just because they appear to have the product right. You know, it's yeah. like I say about Under Armour. They've got good products. It's just the rest of the business they're struggling with. Land's End makes quality stuff. Yeah. They just appear to struggle with um, most other parts of retail. I don't think that you would look at Land's End, and maybe this is for better or for worse, you look at the, you know, the, the nosedive um, that uh, North Face has done, for example, like Lands End isn't going after like being the hot brand. Uh, you know, they're they, they are a steady as she goes brand. They are very credible. You know, it's funny. I never noticed until I was actually doing the research. Do you ever notice that the the apostrophe for Lands End is in the wrong place? It's L A N D S apostrophe. It is. The grammar scold in me is really angry that I never noticed this. So I looked it up, and it turns out that when Lands End was founded, the first time they had made enough money to make a catalog, the printer put the apostrophe in the wrong place. And they didn't have enough money to fix it. So they just rolled with it. And not only did they roll with it, they just embraced it. So it is still L A N D S apostrophe end, which despite. The grammar scold in me, you know, I will never unsee that. It's a really great brand. It's a great brand that they have that that they have taken pains to maintain, and I think that helps. It absolutely helps. Uh, this is a company where the market cap is about four hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, this really seems like. Because of the quality merchandise, because of the um, how solid the brand is, 
it really seems like it would make for a good, smart tuck-in acquisition for. I'm not saying for, for the next years. <laughs> well, not for the next years. And I wasn't, you know, yeah. I wasn't going to say the next, you know, for tapestry per se. It's exactly who I was thinking. But of. but yeah. those types of of businesses that say, you know what, we've got a portfolio of brands, and we're going to make this part of it. Sure, a tapestry or a VF. It would be a very smart acquisition. I, you know, Lands End to me is a is is a company that, although you know. Uh, as I'm, as we're recording now, it's up 17 percent. Despite that, it's not something that really is going to surprise you that much. And I'm not sure that the brand gives it permission to push into a bunch of different verticals. It is a, it is what we think it is. Uh, and so, yeah, I I would think that this would be you know now that it's cleaned up a bunch of uh, a bunch of its operations, now that it's you know Sears is sort of taking itself out of the equation, I would think that this would be a really good acquisition for for a tapestry because it's a good cash flow story. It's just not one where I expect I would expect hyper growth uh, without taking some risks to the brand. Shares of Ollie's Bargain Outlet are down more than 12% so far this week due to the passing of CEO Mark Butler. Uh, Mr. Butler was 61 years old. He was with his family uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend uh, when he died. Um, our sympathies to his family yeah. and friends, and we will get to the business of Ollie's Bargain Outlet in a minute. But I think it's safe to say uh, Mark Butler. Definitely a full favorite when it comes to CEOs. Yeah, and for for the partnership portfolio, we spoke with Mark Butler back in in July of this year, and it was a really wonderful interview. And Ollie's is Ollie's is a, you know is a company that was really built in his image. Uh, you know, and there are very few retailers that are that are quite like Mark Butler. Uh, you would point point to uh, Jim Senegal at Costco, people who have done things in an entirely different way. So, one of the things that Mark Butler always bragged about at Ollie's was that they had zero revenues that came from online; that everything was based on their stores. And that, if you think about it, you're like, oh, that's 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 kind of interesting. But to me, it's more than interesting; it's brave. Given the environment that we, you know, that that we have operated in in the last fifteen years, with so much being pushed online, um, the fact that he decided and that company decided that that's the route that they were going to go, that the in-store experience is what they were going to favor, it was a brave move, and and it's worked out really, really well. Uh, so you know, it's obviously it's not great news for 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 Ollie's shareholders. Uh, we are very sad because we have learned so much from you know from from our time getting to know Mark, uh, and you know our our condolences go out to you know both of his families. Uh, also, I read this uh, interview he gave where he was talking about sort of you know part of his approach uh, for this business, and he said something, and it's one of those things that that yes. As any good CEO would, he's talking his own book. Yeah. But it also struck me as being completely true. And in this interview, he said, you know, why does this work? Because America loves a bargain. <laughs> and he's absolutely right about that. And it's the sort of thing where you look at Ollie's, you look at Five Below, Burlington stores over the past five years. I mean, done correctly, this approach to retail. Is a profitable one, yeah, and it is one that rewards shareholders when it is done correctly. So uh, I actually uh, have spent some time going to Ollie stores, and actually, uh, if you come to my 
Twitter feed, TMF Otter. I'll put a picture up from the most recent time I went to the Ollie's in Lynchburg, Virginia. And the store's mobbed, and you can see this being Lynchburg right across the street from Liberty University. There's a massive, like, Bibles and devotional study, you know, uh, book section. They were, they are really, really smart retailers, but they call the stores semi lovely. And, you know, that's why I took some pictures because you see exactly what, you know, what they mean. They are, you see fact, the semi in you, the semi lovely. That's right. The lovely, the lovely is a little bit harder to discern, but, the thing about it is, you come in and it looks a little bit like chaos, but it really, really is every bit of what they were doing for the store experience at Ollie's was thought out. It's done on purpose. John Swigert, the longtime executive vice president, is now the interim president and CEO at Ollie's. We were chatting briefly yesterday. You were saying you think this is a smart move to just, even though he's been there, yeah, to to keep the interim title. With him for now, yeah, it gives them some optionality. The thing that uh, the the thing that impresses me about this is that is that Ollie's obviously had in place a what do we do if Mark Butler gets hit by a bus plan, right? And unfortunately, uh, they had to put that plan into action. they had to put the plan into action, and it is particularly for companies that are dominated by a, you know by a by a charismatic founder CEO. That's a really hard thing to 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 put in place, and they have done so. So Ollie's, I think, is in better stead than I thought it might have, you know, than than I might have feared it would be. And you know, so it gives them some optionality. They'll do a search. I would suspect that uh, that the interim will be dropped at some point because this is not a company that's going to go out and, you know, hire the, you know, the next hotshot, you know, who wants a new challenge from Apple or whatever. This is this is an iconoclastic company. Before we dip into the mailbag, quick shout out to Brave a next-generation web browser pioneering a better internet with privacy by default. It begins by giving you control, once again, over who has access to your online activity. Brave's browser protects your privacy by stopping creepy ads that follow you across the web. It performs up to eight times faster than other browsers, and that's one of those things that only matters if you're a fan of speed and saving your battery. Life. Uh, also, that Bra- seems like a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am in that camp. Uh, yes. Also, Brave is free. Uh, it's easy to switch over. Um, it was. It was. Let me put it this way: it was easy for me, and uh, I'm not that great when it comes to the technology. Um, you can import all of your bookmarks with one click, which I love. Uh, and if you opt into Brave's privacy-respecting ads, you get rewarded with tokens, and you can use those to support your favorite content creators and access premium content, and that helps give publishers back their fair share of web revenue. So, check it out. It's great, and it's easy to use, which I love. You feel like this is going to be a bigger and bigger thing over the next few years. I feel like the storylines around some of the largest tech companies, and you know, Google chief amongst them, is going to be about people recapturing their privacy. Take back control of your online activity and switch browsers to Brave today at brave.com slash fool. That's brave.com slash fool to switch your browser to Brave. Yesterday was about big tech. Today is about us. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Gilbert in the Netherlands, who writes, First of all, thank you for your wonderful podcast. I'm a daily listener. Thank you. 
for listening, Gilbert. Uh, you guys keep saying that you should only have five to ten percent cash in your portfolio, but if you do that, with what cash are you going to sweep up all the bargains once a recession? Uh, once a recession is a couple of months or years old. Um, this was one of those questions that when I first read it, I thought he was being cheeky, and then I was like, "Oh no, wait! I get no. what he's saying, and he's absolutely right." I mean, the prospect of a recession lasting six months, eight months, twelve months—that sort of thing—where it's like, "Oh right." So, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, first of all, the market tends to go up around ten percent a year. So if you have, if you have. 10% of your portfolio in cash. Let's just call that a year's worth of gain potential, right? I mean, 10% is a lot. I mean, I actually have more than 10% in my own portfolio in cash right now. Uh, so uh, I'm not quite sure where 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 he's gotten the five to ten percent. It's a reasonable number. Um, I actually have more than that, but ten percent is plenty. And keep in mind that when inevitably the market drops twenty percent, that ten percent isn't going to be ten percent anymore because it doesn't move. Right, so it will suddenly become fourteen, fifteen percent of your portfolio. You will have plenty of ammunition to invest in companies that you think are have become bargains. As a general rule of thumb, because you know Gilbert's question got me thinking about. You know, it is a great question. Ha- having yeah. uh, figuring out a way to have cash in your portfolio, and one way to do that is just to say, for some stocks. I don't want to repurchase additional shares. I don't yeah. want to purchase additional shares when I get the dividends. I I just want the money. Take the money. Yeah. Is that your move generally when it comes to dividends, or is it? Does it depend on the it business? It kind of it. It kind of depends. I keep in mind. So uh, I don't happen to own any now since uh, since Oak Tree was taken out. But I have owned companies in the past. Uh, that I consider to be cash generators, and those types of companies, I would allow the I would allow the cash to accrue. Um, so you 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 should know once again why it is that you own companies, right? The other thing to keep in mind is that when is is that prices are information, and while we don't you know while we always talk about don't sell your winners when the market gets hit really really hard, sometimes. The relative attractiveness of certain companies is going to change. Not even sometimes; it will do it every time. So you have to be willing to harvest from some positions into others. I mean, every single bit of your portfolio is potential cash. When I, right down I remember it. we had an event. This might have been one of the first member events we ever had. And I remember you were on a panel, uh, and one of the things you said was, "I'm a value investor, but make no mistake, every single." Or you said I'm a long-term investor, but make no mistake, every single company in my portfolio is for sale at the right price. At at some price, every single day, yeah, every single day, yeah. at some price, no matter how much I love this business, at the right price, I am selling the hell out of this. That's thing. right, and 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 and. I'm glad you remember that because I did get some flack from people. They said, "Well, you know, then you're not a long-term investor." No, no, no. You're right. <laughs> yes, I get it. And I, you know, I, I can't remember the last time that I sold a stock on purpose. But you know, when 
when the market is in dislocation, and dislocation can be because people have gone crazy on the upside, or it can be on the downside. You would be absolutely insane just to you know just to stand upon. Well, this is what I am, and this is what I do. Because when bargains come, when bargains come out, you have to be willing to act. Question from Sam Gorashi, who writes: My question is about. I haven't heard this name in a long time. My question is about Chesapeake Energy. From my early days of being a young fool, I recall listening to the stories of former CEO Aubrey McClendon and his thirst for collecting everything rare. At one point, Chesapeake Energy was a top natural gas player, and now it trades for $0.60 cents a share. Is this a value play? Thanks for helping me convince my bride that investing in stocks is not gambling. Uh, you're welcome. That's so great. Um, Haven't heard those names in a while either. Uh, I'm surprised that Chesapeake Energy was. T- I w- when I looked at the question, I was like, wait a minute, is it really that low? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really that low. It's a wonderful question, and it's a wonderful example because he's exactly right. The assets that that Chesapeake holds are rare, but. Uh, I went and did a little bit of uh, you know I, I I went and researched the capital structure of 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 Chesapeake and basically it's got you know it's valued at a little over a billion dollars. Um, it's got nine billion dollars in debt and that debt uh, is you know it's about six percent in interest they have to pay each year, so you can do the math on that. I mean that's six you know that's that's a lot. Um, and they have a preferred class of stock, which at present pays a twenty percent dividend, which sounds awesome. Except a lot of times that dividend is information, and what that information is is that the market believes that the company will be unable to pay its dividend, you know, from cash flows. So they will either need more debt. Uh, or they will have to start selling some of those assets. So the assets themselves are somewhat irrelevant. Now the reason that you might invest in Chesapeake, and this is not advice, and I will say very strongly, I would not do this, uh, is if you believe that the market is wrong about Chesapeake's ability to pay and operate. Because if if it is wrong, then the stock is an absolute bargain. But I tend to think that the debt market and the preferred markets tend to be pretty efficient. Uh, last but not least, quick shout out to Sam Muffley, longtime listener, um, uh, mentioned on Twitter. Um, nice reminder uh, for all of the talk, and we talked a lot about this yesterday about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. That today's Giving Tuesday, so. Yes. Uh, uh, as fools, we like to uh, look through uh, charitables through the lens of investing and and long term solutions. And also, let's face it, some charitable organizations are better run from a financial standpoint than others, and do a better job of getting more of the contributional dollars to uh, whatever the cause is. So, um, so yeah, great uh, reminder that uh, take a couple minutes today and and think about. Um, Please do. Uh, you know, it's funny because I always think that whenever I hear Cyber Monday and Black Friday, they sound like war scenarios in an Orson Scott card <laughs> novel, n- novel. So to 
to be at Giving Tuesday, and you know, and and I've been involved with a foundation for a number of years that you know that that uh, you know that addresses uh, impoverished women in Africa. You know, I I choose. You know, I have chosen to think like an investor in terms of my own charitable giving, and that means you're trying to alleviate pain rather than you know than than anything else. And it's a wonderful thing to do. I mean, it's you know for me to have giving you know Giving Tuesday just after Thanksgiving is a really wonderful thing. Uh, for those unfamiliar, go ahead and give, you can so it's called the Fistula Foundation. Yeah, you can uh, share the name FistulaFoundation.org, and uh, it was uh, it was originally. Um, uh, primarily focused in Ethiopia, uh, it's now throughout Africa and throughout uh, you know in places like Afghanistan, and it's uh, you know we we basically provide surgeries for a uh, childbirth injury that is completely unheard of in the West, and so we we help some of the the world's most disenfranchised women, and it really just you know it makes me feel good to even talk about it. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thanks for being here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Christmas is coming. Tell you what I'm going to do. I said Christmas is coming. And i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm gonna save all my money Just to make Santa Claus come to you Santa Claus, Santa Claus Please don't pass my baby by Santa Claus, Santa Claus Please don't pass my baby by Cause you know she bring me something last Christmas Made me holler, scream and cry You have been good to me, baby I'm gonna be good to you Just what your Santa Claus can do Do you remember last Christmas When you made Santa Claus come to me Do you remember last Christmas When you made Santa Claus Up in your Christmas tree Santa Claus is a good man And he rides the midnight train I say Santa Claus is a good man And he rides the evening train Don't be a good little girl. You won't bring you a doggone thing. <laughs>